0: You are invited to witness a shattering adventure in total fright.
1: Watch me when I kill.
0: Prepare yourself for shock after shock, for horror beyond belief, and spine-tingling suspense that never lets go. Watch me
1: when I kill.
0: You have never experienced the sheer terror, the menacing suspense that awaits you when you see, watch me when I kill. You will watch it happen. You will be there when the unseen killer stalks his unsuspecting victims. Scream if you wish, but nothing will stop him. Are you ready to accept this invitation?
1: Watch me when I kill. Rated R. I I think I might have liked it if I'd been able to fucking see anything. <laughs> Radio Drome. Thursday nights are where the true horror of Radio Drum is unleashed. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is Cecil T. Robot. Um,
2: interesting joke that I got nothing.
1: Okay, Cecil just totally fucking gimped that. Peter? (laughs) Peter, do you have something?
2: You're all
1: doomed. So, I was thinking of something, you know, you're like the horror. I was thinking, you know, you getting out of the shower or something like that. <laughs> if people did want to get turned on, they could go to AdamandEve.com. I'm really good at picking up on not-so-subtle uh, not so cues. You really
2: are the master of the segue.
1: <laughs> I've never been on one of them untip-overable things in my life. You shut up. <laughs> but if you go to AdamandEve.com, use the promo code DROME, you will get 10 free gifts on top of whatever you order you will get six free DVDs, a free mystery gift, a gift for him, a gift for her, and free U.S. shipping, all for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Now that we got that horror out of the way, I want to talk about horror movies and how they have progressed, evolved, degressed, or devolved over time. Because especially in the horror field, not only do you notice certain trends, you know, you'll notice the this was the slasher movie era. This was the vampire movie era, etc. But you'll notice that what constitutes horror has changed. What is your the thing you've noticed the most about how, just in your lifetime, you have noticed the horror movies that you grew up on versus the movies that are coming out, say, just within the last decade?
2: The big thing was that the earlier horror films, they actually spent time building uh you know having some character development building tension and getting you set up for when you know the kills started happening and now uh we have a lot of movies where they do the whole start off with like some big crazy action sequence where somebody dies and oh my god that's supposed to get everybody really scared and then they kind of bleed a little bit into character development and then death 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 death, the end it's a bunch of people that you don't care about. They're all cannon fodder, and a lot of the older slasher films, especially, there were characters that sure some of them were dicks and some of them were were the you know the heroes, but like each one of them had a distinct personality, and you liked or disliked them, and you were rooting for the uh, the the characters as opposed to now you hate everybody and you're rooting for the killer.
0: I've noticed from when I was younger to now. Um there was a lot of I mean cuz I was I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you guys so my like earliest sort of memories of just finding out about horror was uh you know uh, movies like you know The Friday the 13th series and Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer and it, I saw kind of the evolution of the slasher film where it it's uh every it would kind of mimic each era it was in but what I noticed was subtlety began to to drop off. And uh, this is going to what Cecil was saying, where you used to spend a lot more time with characters, with their traits. You, you used to have a lot more character development, even in like a slasher film where people would die. You would still like the characters. I, I have noticed that now it's just you, you cram in as much gore and death in a span of an hour and a half as you possibly can and they're really overdoing the whole found footage thing i found i find lately as well like you know say what you will about blair witch project that movie was marketed brilliantly because there was almost nothing like it before that except for maybe cannibal holocaust and now like every other month there's some new found footage ghost movie or found footage whatever movie
1: and to be fair peter found footage is almost exclusively a horror subgenre
0: Mm-hmm. You don't see so,
1: you don't see found footage movies in other genres very often. You do see them, like there, there's that Vegas one with the the comedy, like a uh, uh, brides night out or something like that, and you see sci-fi ones every now and then. But overall, found footage is a horror subgenre.
0: Yeah, so it's really oversaturating the genre because you're seeing so much of it within one genre, and and yeah, there's just there seems to be such a lack of suspense, a lack of character development. It's just, if we can cram in as much gore as possible, that'll scare people. And there are some recent horror films that I, that I really love, that I really enjoy. Um, some of the more super, some of the supernatural based ones, a couple of the more indie based slasher films, but really my, my passion for the genre still kind of lies in the, in the eighties, I would say.
1: Well, because what I'm kind of looking at here is, especially in the case of remakes or years later sequels, the tone or the style is so radically different. Now, obviously, movies are going to be of the time that they're made. You know, you can't watch a movie from the 70s and not go, that was made in the 70s, just by the style of how it was made. That said, I'm looking at the new Poltergeist trailer for the Poltergeist remake. And the original Poltergeist, it did have a few jump scares, but it was really more about mood and tone. And the, just the trailer alone is jump scare, jump scare, boost scare, jump scare, jump scare, boo scare, jump scare. There are more jumps and quick edits in the trailer than there was in the entire original franchise of Poltergeist, which says something has changed in what constitutes horror. Do you think something like the original Poltergeist, which still to this day scares the hell out of me, do you think that tone, that style, that atmosphere would work on a modern audience? Or do you have to go the jump scare route?
0: Um, I think it it would work on audiences nowadays. I think filmmakers and producers and just the general companies that are releasing these movies – need to take their audiences a little more seriously and not treat them with such kid gloves and you know force in as many jump scares as possible. Cause I do think that there are definitely audiences out there that still appreciate mood, that still appreciate atmosphere. Like I mean there are um filmmakers nowadays like Ty West who made uh that great uh babysitter cult movie. I think it was uh, House of the Devil House of the Devil, yeah. Which was that's a total slow burn old school style horror film and it was awesome. And I know a lot of people that really dug that movie and I know it did, it did well on, on home video sales, but instead, you know, we're treated to as many jump scares as possible. The, the paranormal activity movies, the, the new poltergeist movie just looks like crap. I think there they're, they're, are an, an audience would appreciate a slower burn, more of a mood. Um, I just think the, the actual people, uh, the, the companies and the filmmakers that, that are putting the movies out, they just, they don't take their, their audiences seriously. Like, like they're, it's, it's like they're treating them like children. Like they think we need to, uh, give you cues. It's, it's like a laugh track. You know, we need to have a, a jump scare so you know when to be scared. And I think that's, uh, that's really insulting your audience.
2: Uh,
0: who scares?
2: I just, I, I, I understand the necessity for them in certain situations. Sometimes they they do work, but they're so abused. Uh, I think that the biggest problem is right now, let's just say Hollywood in general, they're catering way too much to the ADD crowd. They're thinking that if they don't have jump scares and boo scares, if they don't have all this stuff constantly being thrown at the audience, that the audience is going to lose interest and they're going to fade out and they're going to think it's boring. And unfortunately, they're kind of right, because uh, I work with a guy who he'll uh, he, if, if he's watching a movie and it doesn't like captivate him within the first like five minutes, he'll start fast forwarding it. And then he'll complain that the movie was stupid or boring when he didn't really even watch the movie. He'll watch Mm. like a little bit of the beginning, fast forward, look for something to happen and then watch the ending and then uh, and then complain about it. And I think that that's an unfortunate problem right now uh, where you have a lot of people that they just don't have the patience. There are occasional times where uh, you'll get something that is kind of embraced like uh, The House of the Devil, like The Innkeepers. I mean, Ty West is really good at that 70s slow burn style, and both those movies are freaking awesome. But... There are people who watch those movies that I know. They're like, "Oh my god, it's so boring. Nothing happens." And I'm like, "What do you mean? I was I'm sitting there like digging my nails into the chair because it's atmosphere. That to me is scary. Not opening a closet and having a loud noise jump out at you, drag me to hell.
1: Ugh. Well, you also you brought up something interesting there, Cecil. The, the eras, like you said, Ty West is good at that 70s style. L- let's go back to, now obviously horror films were around before this. You had Nosferatu, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Midnight London After Midnight, etc. Really, we would say the first modern horror cycle started with Universal, with Dracula. You look at the original Todd Browning Dracula. It's all mood. It's all tone. Now, now some of that is due to the fact that they couldn't get away with what what even in the like what the 70s Frank Langella Dracula could in terms of nudity and whatnot. Dracula biting women on the neck thing was very much a a, a sexual su- substitution. That said, that's an incredibly moody film, isn't it? None of the remakes have quite matched that mood, have they?
2: I think that uh, the the Bram Stoker's Dracula did a very good job at capturing that foreboding, like just oppressive atmosphere of it i mean it just it was it was a very just moody film i wouldn't necessarily call it a horror film but because it wasn't particularly scary but it did have this just thick heavy weight to it and uh you know it was just the way that it was shot and and the the camera angles made everything just feel like i don't know i keep saying you know but dense like it. So, I mean, I think that that's a case of that feeling close to it. But the majority of them are not that. The majority of them are are a little bit more uh, bang for your buck kind of movies where it's, you know, vampire with the exception of like the Hammer films. Like you got vampires kind of bouncing around and, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) going after high school girls.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, Dracula used to be definitely this very moody, dark uh a character that's is 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 so much more captivating not by what he says or his like violent bounce off the wall uh what is it uh what's that one that where they're in the antarctic or whatever at uh, 20, 20 days, days and a night, night. yeah I mean, that's i like that movie but that's that's definitely how the vampire genre has uh evolved where you've Nowadays, you got these, uh, if it's not Twilight, it's, it's a movie like that, like 20 days a night where you got vampires with blood 30 days their of
1: night. It's a whole month. Damn it.
0: 30. Oh, I thought you said 20. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it in a while, but yeah, that's kind of the, how the genre has evolved that like, and I really, I dig the, um, the, the darker moodier Dracula. I think, I think that really made the character stand out. And then the, the genre definitely evolved into, a few things that are kind of cool. I mean, I, I I have to tip my hat to movies like Near Dark and The First Blade, but we also got just terrible movies like Twilight as well. So I, I think it would be cool if, if the genre were just much like how Ty West is doing uh, like the 70s supernatural style. It would be cool uh, to sort of bring Dracula uh, back into that for the modern audiences as well. Well, do you
1: think that the modern audiences, that their styles changed and the movies were forced to change with them? Or the movie's styles changed and then therefore the audience's styles changed with them? For instance, my friend Hank Carlson did the special effects on a slasher movie a couple of years ago called Psycho Holocaust. In that, a man gets raped to death with a saw blade, all on camera. And one of the reviews, Hank was so proud of this review, said that this is not what a horror film is. You would, and I'm quoting here, you would never see Vincent Price raping a guy with a saw. And he's right about that. What What do you think changed between Vincent Price being the killer in all of these other films to a man being raped in the ass with a saw? I mean, was it the audience that changed the films or the films that changed the audience?
0: That's a good question. Well, I it's it's just a... It, it's new genres being added uh new subgenres being added to horror like the whole raping somebody with a saw blade is a that's a very exploitation kind of thing it's it's not a vincent price it's it's not a vincent price movie it's it's not one of those uh like what's the one where the wax god i'm really drawing a blank tonight the wax museum one house of wax house of it's wax. not In it's 3D. not 3d like and that's a cool movie like that's a but that's a very vincent price type horror film whereas Someone getting raped to death with a saw blade, that's that came more into play into the genre as a subgenre in the in the 70s and 80s. And that grew an audience. And there are people that like to watch that kind of stuff. And there are people that like to watch the Vincent Price kind of horror. And, and neither is really a defining horror thing. Like if you're like, oh, this isn't horror. Vincent Price wouldn't do this that's just your opinion. You know, if, if you like Vincent Price, that's like, fine.
1: It's just like your opinion, man.
0: Exactly. It's, <laughs> if you're going to, if you're going to be an elitist like that and just say, Oh, well, Vincent Price wouldn't do that. That isn't horror. Well, you know, you're, you're missing out on a huge chunk of, of the genre and, you know, be be a fan of whatever movies you want to be a fan of like Vincent Price all you want but he's he's not the pinnacle of horror there's there's plenty more to the to the genre than than Vincent Price
2: it's tough because there there are people out there that uh audiences kind of demanded something different it's it's also possible that you know one movie came along and it did really well and it kind of oh well that changed the dynamic of it well that's what people want you know i mean we were going along with horror films, and then all of a sudden, you know, Peeping Tom and Halloween come along, and they're really big hits, and and then they're like, oh, well, that kind of invented the slasher genre, so then it's like, okay, well, we need uh, a killer, and he's killing people, and then Friday the 13th more or less kind of set the template for it, where it's like, okay, well, here we have a killer, we're going to go with Mask, and he is constantly killing teenagers or college students, and that kind of became the template that so many movies went for until it got uh, to a point where it switched to another thing. OK, well, now the thing that everybody's scared of is uh, viruses or the thing is zombies or the next. thing. So it's it's constantly kind of evolving and going with trends. So I think it's more along the lines of they both kind of change each other. Uh, the audience is always looking for something a little bit different. And uh, there's always going to be somebody who you have a director or writer who kind of looks, hey, you know, we haven't had a ghost movie in a while. So let's make uh, this movie and its ghosts. And then Paranormal Activity comes out and scares the shit out of everybody. And then next thing you know, there's a bajillion ghost movies that come out after that.
1: Well, do you think, though, that it becomes almost a degradation of of horror, when you get something like like the slasher movie, boom. Harlan Ellison wrote an article in, the, in like 1982 about all the knife kill movies out there. That's just what he called them because that's that's all they are, knife kill movies. But in that, as much as he hated them, he pointed out that they didn't start out like this. He pointed out Halloween that weren't all about what sharp impl- implement can we stab through a co-ed. But he has a point. By about 82 or 83, it became that. It became, well, that movie only had four kills in it. We're going to have nine kills. Oh, yeah, you're <laughs> going to have nine? Well, we're going to have 13. Oh, yeah, you're going to have 13? We're going to have 24. That it, it, Especially in the slasher genre, it almost became a game of one-upsmanship, which I think forced the genre down.
2: I don't know, because I kind of enjoyed the creativity of it, where it was like, okay, well... Uh... You we know, we're gonna kill. There were certain movies where they didn't up the kill count; they upped the creativity. They're like, Okay, well, uh, we're gonna saw this person in half, or uh, we're going to, uh, y- you know, uh, like Friday uh, Nightmare on Elm Street comes along, and it's Freddy with the uh, with the glove with the knives on it, you know. And so it's it's they're coming up with creative ways to kill people, not just upping the body count. So I, yes, there were movies that. Each one, they kept trying to up the body count, and I know you you don't like the series, but Scream Two kind of goofed on the sequelitis, where it's like, uh, you know, upping the body count, and doing this, and following those trends. It, it wasn't always that. I, I think it was more of the a lot of the C lister horror films. That were were just uh, when they didn't have a a particularly good idea, they would just up the body count to try to compensate for the fact that there wasn't anything particularly special about the movie.
0: While there are definitely some stinkers in the knife kill slasher genre, just like with with anything, it it has its place. Body count movies have their place, Uh, you know, the Friday the 13th Nightmare on Elm Street. These are these are classics. And yeah, it's 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 kind of just the creativity of how they how they're doing it. It's it's a one-upsmanship, but it's it's fun when it's when it's done well, and it's it's really it's entertaining to watch. It it can kill an hour and a half really easily because the characters are usually goofy and the the kills are creative, and they're just they're they're fun. They're not uh, they're not exactly movies that you need to use your brain for too much. Like you can easily turn your brain off and watch most of them. Um, I wouldn't say they they hurt the genre because like every every generation has its has its trend like i was saying earlier you know you have nowadays there's just a whole stream of of um you know the found footage movies and the the ghost movies like you know insidious did well so there's a whole bunch of whole bunch more movies like that the 80s had the, had the big knife kill movies and some were some were great and some were some were crappy and that's that's pretty much just the way that it goes
1: A shift happened in the audience,
0: and then, of course, the films followed, especially
1: with the slasher movie boom. But this is horror in general. You used to, in the early days of the slasher movie boom, as Cecil pointed out earlier, you cared about these characters and you didn't want to see them die. By about 1984, 1985, you went to these movies rooting for the killer. The killer became the hero. And you wanted these characters to get killed. And I think that said more about where society was at that point than it did about anything else. Because you should go into a slasher movie going, I hope they don't kill this guy because I really like this character. Not, get him, get him, get him! When Freddy Krueger and Leatherface and Jason Voorhees became the hero of the film, you started to see that shift of them... Almost talking down on, almost talking down to you. Oh yeah, you wanted more Jason. Well, fine. There's more, more Jason. We we tore a whole bunch of pages out of the script. You don't need characters. You need caricatures. And I think that hurt the genre overall.
2: I I don't know. I think that, uh, like I said earlier when I started off, it, it's that the the movies. Uh, you know, when you're getting the seventh, eighth, ninth iteration of a series, it's revolving around the killer, and people aren't going to see the, the kids be able to outsmart Jason or Freddy or whatnot. They're going to see Jason eviscerate some people. And so, consequently, the killer becomes the star. It's a very odd conundrum. And I think it um, it's it's unusual, too, because a lot of times when you're watching a film like that, uh, you're supposed to identify with one of the characters, you know, the final girl or whatnot.
1: And I think and... it's scary when you identify with the killer. Yeah, <laughs> but that's
2: that's the thing. You are like you're starting to kind of more identify with the killer because he ends up being the guy that you root for because the uh, the college students or the teenagers or whatever are just unlikable, awful people. And you want to see them get murdered.
1: Well, th- th- that's kind of the thing with like Rob Zombie movies. And even though I loved Devil's Rejects, they're like this and this, but that, that was kind of a different twist by making the villains the heroes. Rob Zombie doesn't seem to understand the difference between what a flawed character is, i.e. the kind we can get behind, and a fucking asshole. Mm. All he writes are fucking assholes. Yeah. And he seems to think that that makes them flawed characters. And it does, but it also makes them fucking assholes. And I don't want to spend 90 minutes with them. Rob mm. Zombie is one of the worst modern horror filmmakers when
0: it comes to characters. Absolutely. Uh, well, I I do love Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses, but pretty much everything else he's made, I I detest. I hate his Halloween movies. What was it? Lords of Salem was just one of the worst. Lords of Salem
1: bits. was horrendous. Oh,
0: God, that was bad. That was just awful. Like he 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 just seems to be good at uh, at mimicking. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like uh, Devil's Rejects to me feels very much like almost like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 fan film or something. It's the
1: Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel. We never got
0: exactly. That's that's what it feels like. And I like it for that. And I would like to see Rob Zombie. Like, I don't know why he made a Halloween remake. He really should have done a a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. film.
1: I want to ask you a question, Peter. Who did you identify with more in Devil's Rejects? William Forsythe? as the insane cop or with the firefly family, because would, even, even though they are the continuing characters, I still wanted to see William Forsyth kill these bastards. Oh, I still I did, didn't want to uh, see them get away with it.
0: I thought William Forsyth was awesome. And, and when I first uh, saw the movie in theaters, I was really, I was really rooting for him to, to get vengeance for, for his brother's death. And I was really disappointed that they just ended up killing, killing him off. And, it just seemed very, very strange that the the killers went out in this in this very almost heroic blaze of glory. Uh, what was it? The, that Leonard Skinner? I mean, yeah, it's like it, even though they're dying, like it still seems like they got this sort of hero's death. And that felt uh, that was a bit off, I would say, as much as I like the film. Yeah, I definitely identified a lot more with uh, with William Forsythe.
1: But to a lot of people, and I read this in so many reviews, the Firefly family were the good guys. Because they were the ones running from the law, it made the cop the bad guy. And I think that's a generational thing. The younger audiences saw the Fireflies as almost this this put-upon underclass.
0: I, I never got that impression because I mean in the opening credits of the film you see all these victims in cages you know in the basement of their house like I never got this impression that these were characters to root for like it they're fun to watch in, in the same way that uh, a movie like American Psycho is fun to watch where you know that this that this guy is a piece of shit you know he's an he's an evil guy but you're following along this this just horrifying, car crash of events because you just can't look away but they're not characters to look up to or see as like a put upon you know lower class they're they're psychopaths they're just they're basically just the family from texas chainsaw massacre they're they're crazy murdering cannibalistic skin wearing psychos and they should be put to death by william Forsyth.
1: what what about other non-slasher horror genres do you think that, that editing plays a part in this? Because I think editing is very telling along with music when it comes to tone and atmosphere. For instance, I was watching Naked Lunch the other day, which might not be a technical horror film, but it's got talking typewriters and, you know, anuses that, that speak to you and whatnot. Naked Lunch, I, I was specifically noticing how long the cuts were, that a scene would just go on with a single camera shot for sometimes a minute, minute and a half without a cutaway to something. You get, mm. you get a film like, it's not a horror film, but like To Live and Die in L.A. There are almost no insert shots. He, he uses a master or a two-shot for almost a whole movie with without reverses. Nowadays, a movie, especially a horror movie, is quick cut, quick cut, quick. It's like you, you can't go more than a second or two without cutting to another angle. And I think mm. you cannot achieve atmosphere. You cannot achieve... The, the terror with that kind of editing.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that um, uh, being an editor myself, uh, there are uh, they're a little too shotgunny. Where it's just like I, I I watch stuff and I'll see things that can be trimmed, but there's so many cutaway shots or they're trying to just keep everything moving the big thing that gets me right now that's very popular and this isn't something that's really done in editing but this is something i've noticed uh where they'll do the there's something going on and they'll zoom in and then and then zoom in again and and it's just or zoom in zoom out and uh, like sabotage was uh, a movie that did that a lot and it really annoyed me because i'm like Battlestar right.
1: Galactica did that a lot too. The TV did Battlestar
2: show. Galactica yeah, I never really watched the show, so I, I don't but yeah, it it was like I, I enjoy I thought the movie was kinda cool, but I was like, could you stop? Like, if two people are talking, <laughs> you don't need a moving camera and a cutaway mm. and zoom in, zoom in. It's like, stop trying to make it more exciting than it is. like Because then you, you start to lose focus on it. And with horror movies, like you said, where it's really hard to build that tension and to get that unsettling feeling when they frickin' edit every five seconds.
1: Mm-hmm. Like a movie like 13 Ghosts, the, the Dark Castle remake. I, I think I might have liked it if I'd been able to f***ing see anything. <laughs> Seriously, I, I think I got whiplash from all the editing in that. I don't think a second of that film goes by without a cut to something else. I, I think that film might just have the most number of edits in 90 minutes of all time. What's the point of building these gorgeous sets if you can't see them what's the point Mm. of these amazing makeup effects if you can't see them what's the why why would tony shalhoub or any of the actors even give a performance when every single word is from a different camera angle
2: the only thing that they focused on that they really showed which was the money shot was when that dude got split in half like that Mm. they did a really like they they showed that whole thing he gets cut and it Runs down and you see the front and the back fall off, but yeah, but everything else in that movie, it's just like, all right, it's what, what, hey, what what, what, what the hell just happened?
1: Yeah, I should not. When I watch a movie, I should not go, what just happened? I mean, if the story makes you kind of go, wait a minute, I got to think this through, that's different. But not, what did I just see?
2: And it's not a horror movie, gamer. The uh, the action movie, which are our Butler. Is that oh, the man. one? Is that
1: the one with Dexter Morgan as the villain? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that was terrible. That was a terrible that
2: movie. Is, that is what the f*** just happened, the movie.
0: like Yeah, the cinematography in that one is just it's awful and just all over the place. It's some of the worst editing I've ever seen and some
2: of the worst directing I've ever seen. It's just a complete an utter train wreck. You can't focus on anything for more than five seconds and the camera is flying all over the place, trying to be energetic. They did all kinds of really weird fisheye lenses and stuff. And, ah, oh, I just hated it. So of course the guy I work with who says that, uh, you know, uh, horror movies are boring. Uh, he thought that that was one of the best movies he ever saw.
1: You even, have, you even have a difference when it comes to horror with like the exorcist films now at some point we're actually going to do an exorcist retrospective but like like look at the first exorcist extremely slow intentionally so not slow in a boring way slow in a paced way Mm -hmm. slow and building to a conclusion then you've got the second film which i love but for different reasons it's frantic, it's insane, it's nuts. And then you go back to William Peter Blatty now taking the reins for the third film, it's intentionally very slow and building again.
0: I love the third one. The third one's uh, my personal favorite.
1: Mine too. And it also has the best jump scare in movie history, the hallway scene in Exorcist 3. Yeah. Because it was all about building that scene. The scene is just a long pullback of a shot of a hallway in a hospital and the camera does not move it's all just this scene you see the nurse going about her business you see the security guard getting bored and going to get a cup of coffee and you keep you get false jump scares but not in a cheap way where you're as the audience you expect the jump scare and there's no music staying just nothing happens Mm -hmm. and after about the fourth one of those by the time it really happens, you jump to the goddamn ceiling because <laughs> he played your ass.
2: Yeah. Big time.
1: That is how you do a jump scare. Not cameras there, cameras coming in, cameras coming in, cameras coming in. Boo! That's not a jump scare.
2: <laughs> or or my, my personal favorite walks up to uh, walks in the bathroom and goes over to the medicine cabinet and looks in the medicine cabinet closes and, you know, the mirror. Closes the mirror. Oh, there's <laughs> somebody standing behind him. And then they turn around and no one's there. That's I'm that one's like... become
0: like a that's like a parody of itself by this point. I don't. Remember, oh, God. Yeah.
1: I don't remember what movie I saw it in, but there was one that actually played that off quite well. He closed the mirror and then you could see the thing behind it. There was no music sting and he didn't notice it. Mm. And 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 it was the audience saw that, but the character didn't. And I thought that actually worked quite well, I thought. Because yeah, those are, I think of the fact that there was no Ding, there to yeah. make the audience jump.
2: Then it just creates that like that feeling in the pit of your stomach where you're like, oh, instead of like making you jump and then you kind of get it out of your system. Then it's like, all right, well, now something bad is going to happen. So now you're kind of waiting for that. So it's yeah. a different dynamic.
0: Exactly. It is. And it's, it's so much more um, it, it makes you think like. Like, have there been moments like in your own life where, you know, something horrible has been in the background that you didn't notice? Like, uh, I'm, sure, it makes I'm it... sure
1: we've all had that thing where you swear there's someone else in the room with you. Yeah, and there's not. And, you know, I don't believe in ghosts, but you just kind of you can't shake that feeling.
2: Yeah. It well, plays fuck, dude. on I that. Had, I had somebody robbing me and I, and I didn't know it.
1: That's true. Cecil got robbed by meth heads. In case you guys don't know.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I got I got robbed by a freaking meth head who thankfully was stupid and got caught. But yeah, uh, I I didn't even realize that there was somebody else in the house at the time.
1: That actually brings up a different thing that's changed in horror. Real horror versus what when when you say horror, people think of either a knife kill movie. Or a vampire, or a zombie, or you know, a monster from the depths of hell, or something like that. What about just a psychopath breaks into your home and does stuff to you? To me, David Cronenberg is the creepiest element of Nightbreed, and it's a movie <laughs> about monsters. I honestly the think that
0: kill- he- but the Cronenberg serial is killer the is the
1: creepiest part.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the he's the absolute highlight of that film. He's so good in that movie.
1: But I mean that that's because even though the movie is hardly set in the real world, like I said, it's got monsters and people that cut their own faces off and stuff. But mm-hmm. Clive Barker absolutely achieved what he was intending with that character by making that character, the home invader, the yeah. human. The scariest character.
0: Exactly. The the real the real monster is the, the guy that could be your next door neighbor. Well for me the the real the, the, the real type of, of horror movie uh, plots uh, tend to be the ones that scare me the most because um, home invasion is, is something that really, really freaks me out. And uh, to me, one of the one of the scariest, creepiest movies of that sort of genre, like I really I love uh, like Henry is a really good example of of that kind of just the, the Jesus scene Christ, the
1: videotape scene in that. Yes, still, it, oh, it is man. one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen.
0: That really is like the the sun coming downstairs in the middle of it and everything like that's that really would be like the most terrifying thing. No, ever. I actually like,
1: think the tag to that scene is even more terrifying. That Otis rewinds it because I want to watch it again.
0: That's so messed up. That to me that's um like it, be it ghosts or or slashers or demons. Like to me the whole real serial killer like he's just a he's a regular guy. Um, that just breaks into your house. To me, that's the scariest because th- that is a true-to-life thing. It's something that's that's really happened. Movies like, like Henry, like Relentless, like American Psycho, like even, even Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, they're Well, they're American cannibals. Psycho,
1: since none of that actually happened, I would say no.
0: Eh, debatable, debatable. No, <laughs> uh, no,
1: no, because, because in Rules of Attraction, they reference that, that Patrick Bateman is in a mental hospital because he thought he was a serial killer
0: american psycho never happened (laughs) well well still a, a person like that is is very it's it's terrifying to think that somebody who could be your next door neighbor who could be somebody you know you go to work with um could end up being this horrible axe murderer to me that's i mean yeah there are there are ghost movies that have freaked me out there are slashers and you know alien movies that have definitely creeped me out like alien is a terrifying film but uh the whole home invasion thing, um, the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the crazy hitchhikers and, and stuff like that, that that freaks me out the most because these are types of people that you could unfortunately run into in your life. And, and that's um, when it's done right, when it's done in the style of a movie like Henry, which to me is still one of the creepiest movies I've ever seen. It's um, it, it can be really terrifying. The
2: whole monsters, vampires thing. Usually, uh, I enjoy them uh, on an entertainment thing, but the most of them aren't particularly scary. The only, I guess, monster that really freaks me out are ghosts, because I just I hate ghosts. That's that's my thing, you know. So
1: ghosts there's and a- bugs for Cecil.
2: Ghosts and bugs. yeah. <laughs> God, for, God forbid we have a ghost bug, and I'm I'm para- freaking locking myself in the closet. It, it's just that it's creepy. And the other thing that does bother me, and this is something that is more grounded in reality, is the uh, an example would be the the movie where someone is having something done to them that is beyond their control. For example, mm-hmm. Human Centipede. You have got three kids that are kidnapped. They're drugged, and this doctor is doing an unthinkable medical uh, thing to them, you know, by attaching them mouth to anus. And it's it's ridiculous, but it's so horrific. And the thing is, you know, is is it unlikely? Yes, it's incredibly unlikely. But there is the possibility that this is something that someone could do to someone. Mm-hmm. And it just gives you that very uncomfortable feeling because the the hopelessness that the characters display they're in this situation that's so horrific and what a lot of people don't understand is it because so many people oh my god the movie's so disgusting oh it's horrific movie really is like you don't particularly see anything it's not very bloody you don't see any you see very little of the surgery it's more of the characters dealing with it and then the girls just crying her like expressions and she's hitting the, the girl in the back you know just like no just that oh, uh, that that hopeless feeling where you're like oh my god i can't even you can't even conceive what they're going through yeah. like that to me is just horrific that's so uncomfortable and just so unpleasant and, and see, that I, was I, why I, really it's a tough
1: sit I don't like the Human Centipede movies because I don't think they're very good. But at the same time, maybe in the hands of a better filmmaker, maybe like Hostel, the Hostel movies would have been better if Eli Roth wasn't. Hostels are amazing. No, Eli Roth is the worst thing that to happen to modern horror since yep. Twilight. Yes, I just said that, and I mean yep. it. Eli Roth is the worst thing to happen to horror movies because he is such an inept filmmaker. He has no grasp of subtlety or tact and that can work in horror movies. But then he, then he tries to pretend he's all deep and introspective. You see him talking about hostile and he's like making a statement about horror movies and, and about man's inhumanity to man, man. And it's like, no, you're not. You made a goddamn gore film and you made it terribly. You (laughs) suck as a filmmaker, Eli Roth.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't like Eli Roth's movies. Um, I, I wouldn't say he's inept as I think where he's not really inept as a filmmaker when it comes to his uh, direction and the way his, I think his movies look good. His gore is, is top notch. It's just his, his writing is what is, what makes me,
1: uh, it name just makes me, me unable
0: one. to really Peter, be a fan of his one,
1: one Eli Roth film. That is not about people going to party
0: and you can Can you?
1: Because and being he, a he has asshole. one type of movie he makes, People going out to party, bad things happen. Look at me, man. I'm like up there with with Friedkin, man, as a director, man. No, you're not. You're a goddamn inept child. Shut up and sit down and quit embarrassing yourself.
2: (laughs) I I know I've kind of gone off about the, the the assholes in horror movies but for for cabin fever uh i i didn't think that everybody was an asshole i i really uh i thought that there were a multitude of different characters like the one uh please don't
1: tell me you think they were multi-faced
2: <laughs> there was a couple there was like,
1: pancakes
0: pancakes i'm sorry i
1: really truly hate pancakes I I really huh? so. I
0: really and the professor him. A professor of being a dog.
2: Kevin Fever is a good movie, and then no, and, in Hostile, and then Hostel. And then Hostel, the thing was, the characters, none of them, I didn't, they, none of them were unlikable. I actually liked all of them, and uh, like when so. And the thing is, that movie, nothing bad happens for probably the first hour of the film. It's, uh, it really builds it can't, up, it and
1: can't then count as t- character development if they're all douchebags.
2: They're not douchebags. I thought that yes, they were they all. Are. They weren't douche. I didn't think they were. Believe me, I will forget the the all the characters in the Friday the Thirteenth remake were douchebags. All the characters oh, yeah. Nightmare Elm Street remake were douchebags. Yep. All the people in the in the Hostel actually in Hostel one and two. All the main characters I did not think were douchebags. I thought that they were all fairly likable, interesting characters. So that when really horrific things started happening to them, you didn't want that to happen to them. I don't want to see, uh, you know, this kid get his toes chopped off. and, And like you weren't. That was in both of those movies. I was not rooting for the millionaires that were paying to kill these kids that were traveling across the country. I didn't want to see that. I wanted to see them be able to get away and survive this. That was, that was why I really enjoyed those movies. I thought that uh, they, they got such a, such a reputation after they made a butt ton of money. It was, it was weird because when they came out like, well, I would say more so the first one, when the first one came out, It was people were talking about how how it was you know really good. It was reinvigorating the horror genre, and then all of a sudden, between the time of Hostel One and Hostel Two, there was this backlash against torture porn movies, which I fucking hate the term, and because a lot of the movies that fall under torture porn aren't even that particularly that gory.
1: I, I, I don't necessarily like that term either. I have used it in the past because there are some films that I think. Like, 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 like hostile. The entire second half of that film is all about, let's see how long we can linger on horrific gore. And to me, they didn't build up any characters. So it was all about look at our gore effects, look at our gore effects. That to me is torture porn.
2: I, I didn't think so because I thought that they, they spent enough time with the characters and they're they're kind of traveling through the country and they're having a good time and they're all getting along. And then y- they get thrust into the situation. And it, I like the duality of it because it starts off really lighthearted. Like if you're to watch the first, you know, the first half of the film, it almost plays out like uh, like a like a comedy of buddies traveling across Europe. And then all of a sudden they get put in this situation and it gets worse and worse and worse and more and more bleak until finally the end and it just ends abruptly. And mm. I, I thought it was fantastic. I, I really, really genuinely enjoyed uh, all, you know, Kevin Fever, Hostel One and Hostel Two. Various different reasons, but I, I like the way that he makes films and I, I don't think I think that there are there are genuinely terrible directors out
0: there
1: that don't... <laughs> I gotta ask you this Cecil what kind of turtle wax are you using to polish that turd <laughs> ah,
0: look like like I said I don't think he's uh he's a bad filmmaker when it comes to the way his movies look it's just his writing that I don't like uh, I think it's it's subjective either you like his characters or you don't I personally don't i I feel like the first uh the first half of hostel feels very much like like an American pie or a Euro trip type movie. And I just, I don't like those characters. I don't like those characters that basically just live on when the next time is that they're going to get up or when they're going to get laid or whatever. Like I find it very boring. And then the second half of the movie is just, you know, people getting tortured and lingering on a broken toe for as long as you, you can. And, And when, when you're, Someone like me that doesn't really like those characters, you you don't really care so much for the like. It's it's obviously shocking what you're seeing. It's very gruesome, and it's uh, it would be a horrifying situation to be in. But uh, an example of one of those types of uh, horror films where it's it's a character kind of s- stuck and not able to do anything about their their situation uh i'd say for me at least uh, a movie like misery would be a better example of that
1: while i don't like misery i see what you're saying because Mm. misery needed to be more well written for one thing i thought the Mm. script was one of the bigger problems but but that actually did build up how bad his situation is and how desperate things are getting i think you're seeing something in hostile that peter and i just are not
2: you can disagree with me all you want. I mean, it's
0: I plan that's to. the thing.
2: It's your opinion. Yeah,
1: it's
0: you know? just
2: subjective. I mean, I,
0: mean, I like. Yeah. I have nothing against you liking Eli Roth's movies. Like you stated your opinion on why you like them. I stated my opinion on why I don't. And then I I came up with one that I felt is a like to me. Even if the script for Misery isn't isn't all that great, and the book um might be a little more shocking. Like I just think James Caan really brings it in that movie. He really makes you. Kathy sympathize Rays, with that too. character now,
1: you can't you can't bitch about the performances in that
0: film. yeah the the acting in that movie is is amazing on both parts you know both the character of annie wilkes and uh, and the writer are just are just freaking awesome like um you really you really feel for that character and you really want him to to get away and and it just it, it's such a horrible claustrophobic feeling because it's it's just these two people in this one house and the guy can't get away like that's it's, it's so grim, and I and I love the movie for that.
2: Misery would probably have not been as good a movie if it wasn't for those performances. Those performances mm-hmm. were so good that it made
1: it better than it probably should have been. That's because yeah. the script needed to be a little bit better. How how horror has changed... Now, horror has always been kind of poo-pooed by the mainstream. And I don't just mean mainstream movies, but, le- but the mainstream populace. Do you think that horror, whether it be a style of movie, like a slasher movie or vampire movie or whatnot, do you think that it sort of has devolved when it becomes nothing more than a joke to pop culture? Like all of the Twilight jokes or how all the cliches of the slasher movies are even joked about in sitcoms that have nothing to do with horror? Do you think that is a de-evolution of the horror genre when it becomes a joke? And I'm not talking about when something is like a Return of the Living Dead or something that's meant to be funny. But Mm -hmm. when horror becomes a joke?
2: I I don't know. I think that um, it's not so much the de-evolution because if something comes along and it's big enough, it's going to be lampooned. It's going to be joked about. I mean, when uh, Blair Witch Project was huge, how many people were were doing the... uh, the, the camera up the nose thing and mm. a, how many uh, parodies were done. Chris Rock was doing the thing where, he, you know, lost in the woods, where my chicken, you know, and like that kind of for the MTV awards. It was uh, it, it's just it's lampooning things that are popular. So they've achieved a certain level of popularity. Mm-hmm. So then uh, now they're going to be goofed on. So I don't particularly see that as the de-evolution of anything. I see that as just something coming along that's so popular that it's kind of uh, crossed over into the mainstream.
0: Yeah, um, I, I don't really... I don't see that as a de-evolution, de- like Cecil was saying. That just It just means it's, it's gotten big. When something gets to a, a certain point of popularity, it's going to be parodied. Um, I mean, look at... I mean, Rambo became one of the most popular aspects of the 80s, and then everything, the whole red headband, the droopy lip, the yelling and shooting the gun, like that was parodied by everything. Uh Jason got popular and then like every every lampoon of a of a slasher would have a hockey mask and a and a chainsaw. It would just throw all the different tropes in together. That's not so much um that's not so much a a black spot on uh horror in general, I would say. That's just uh it, it's just a testament to how popular it had gotten and uh, the more popular something gets the more people will uh, either make fun of it or rip it off or, or parody it so so no it's it's not uh, it's not necessarily a, a negative aspect It just means that it's it's done well enough to be acknowledged and to be made fun of Cecil where can people find you just
1: raving about how much you love boo scare movies <laughs> <laughs>
0: You can
2: find me talking about how great Eli Roth is, uh, <laughs> over at, hey, uh, you get, have,
1: you have the right to be wrong. Huh? oh, <laughs> shush,
2: uh, at goodbadflix.com as well as geekjuicemedia.com.
1: Peter, where can people find you? The true horror of Canada, which is that high of a bar, but whatever.
0: Mm. You can find me absolutely hating Eli Roth at Zinematica <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Um, you can find me on YouTube, The Cinemasochist, and, and Facebook, The Cinemasochist. Just just extra hate for, for Eli Roth. Just so much hate. And Ooh. he deserves every ounce of it.
1: Uh, sh-
0: now I'll tell you to sh- shut up. There, there it is. is. There it is. There you go.
1: It's not a radio drone without that, is it? <laughs> and you can find me at 1201beyond.com. You can contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Have a good night, guys. <laughs> Oh! you.